I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's, Let's go. go. What's cracking? Uh, not much. It's that Monday going into the holiday season and mm. I'm always at this point debating, you know, about gifts. Mm. I told my family that I'm good on the material gifts this year. I'd prefer, you know, experiences to hang out, especially since I'm not home um, as much as I would love to be. But I wasn't exactly sure if that could be bi-directional. <laughs> So if I'm not taking gifts, does that mean I don't have to get anybody else any gifts? I don't think that's the case. So I've been scrambling a little bit. Well, speaking of gifts, <clears throat> you're a gift to me. But no, but beyond that <laughs> gift, beyond that gift, that beyond the obvious, I listened to um, an episode, a recent episode of the Hidden Brain podcast. Oh yeah, where um, it was about gift giving, and it was all about um, all the things that are kind of wrong with the way that we give gifts and that one of the best ways that we can give give gifts to people is to know exactly what they want but also to not give gifts at times where it is expected to give a gift so it's actually more of a blessing to somebody to just like out of nowhere receive something from you even if it's small mm. than to get the gift that is expected on the expected day and how many gifts people buy that buy people that they don't actually want or need or mm -hmm. use or anything and i have to say it felt very affirming to me because in my house we are we are team what do you want yeah like like the, the surprise is either i'm gonna get it for you or i didn't have enough money or i didn't have time or whatever <laughs> but, and i will say that that harry does know how to like give me something that i didn't see coming mm. but that is only because he just knows me incredibly well and will like maybe walk by something I'm looking at on my computer or something like that. But I don't think I've maybe one time have I bought him something without like explicitly asking him, what do you want? Yeah. So how will you feel if you don't get any gifts? I think I'll be fine. I mean, there's like, you know, the thrill of seeing gifts under the tree. I'm not too old to not feel that excitement, but mm -hmm. I think that it's more in the, of the anticipation of getting something than like needing and appreciating like more stuff. If I could think of something that I really, really like wanted or needed, that might be different, but I don't think that's the case for me right now. I yeah. think I've got most of what I want and definitely everything that I need. Yep. I feel you on that. I'm, I'm, I think, and I'm older than you, so I'm like at a point now where I'm just <laughs> like, I actually feel angst when too much stuff comes at me. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, just <laughs> hold, hold up. <laughs> wait, 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 before you give something, let, let me, hold on, you could give to this. I, I'm also re realizing that giving gifts is a is as much a gift sometimes to the giver. Yes, yes. And um, sometimes it pains people to not be able to give a gift. So, you know, I mean, fortunately, one of my love languages is receiving gifts, so. <laughs> 
feel free to hook me up, but do hook me up with something I want. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to hit you up for your wish list after this conversation. <sighs> You've already given me my wish. My wish is my wish is spending time with you. I was mm-hmm. actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, it is so crazy that I met this woman for like a fleeting moment. And then, you know, we worked on something together, but like I work on stuff with people all the time. And I am like, you know, I was listening because, you know, y'all, I listen to our podcast. Ashley doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> I was listening <laughs> to the archives <laughs> and I was like, well, you know what? How cool is it to hear these two black women tell each other they love each other like every single week and mean it? But I was like, I don't know her, but I, what am I doing loving this, this little young girl? <laughs> <laughs> but I do love you. I do love me, sweet Ashley. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it is definitely going both ways. Um, It is pretty phenomenal to think about. Um, But I mean, yeah, I I feel that when I, you know, think about the stuff that truly matters and the things that make life rich, it is definitely these types of relationships and getting to to rap with you every week. Like, I mean, what else could I ask for? This is why I don't need any gifts this year. <laughs> now, I do want you to know um, your fans will be very disappointed if you don't offer us any like extreme interplanet Janet nerd moment. Like what I mean, <laughs> is there anything we should know about? Like, have you seen a shooting star? <laughs> have you gone camping? Have you like what? what I mean, what, I mean did you plant something in the trees? What, what we got? Thank you. Yeah, I, I did get a couple new plants last week, but you know, one thing that I did do that was new this weekend, okay. I was looking at you know of the numerous state parks throughout you know Northern California. I'm still exploring the spaces around like Oakland where I live in the East Bay. Okay. And so I drove, like, I just found this spot on the map. I drove like 30 minutes up north towards Richmond, California. Okay. And I found this, this shoreline, it's called the the Dotson Family Marsh. So it's like these wetlands that have been preserved along like the, the, the coast of the East Bay. And what I learned was that this marshland, which is protected, a protected wildlife area, Mm -hmm. is actually like exists because of the advocacy of um, some historically of a historically black neighborhood and a family that lived there um, a a couple decades back. So the, the Dotson family is a family that has been involved in environmental activism in their, in their region. And it was quite beautiful. It's recently restored. There's some great trails and I just um, sat outside and watched the sunset. Wow. Wait, was yeah, this like, was this like solo dolo? Oh, solo, yeah. Just oh, me. wow! You do not disappoint. This is <laughs> this is so Ashley of you. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was something that my my soul needed, and it didn't disappoint. Good for you. Shout out to you for that intentional wellness. That's dope. Um, y'all, I have not really addressed Mahalia. Um, she's still in box braids, pull back. She's looking relaxed and chill. She looks good, y'all. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make sure I had a moment for her. Jules yeah. is Jules is hanging tough. You yeah, now she's hanging strong. Yeah, she got a little trim. She cute, but that, that that's besides the point. <laughs> the point I'm, I want to want to say, y'all, is that um, you need to relax your mind, let your conscience be free, 
get down to the sound of Ashley while wow. you should keep quiet while the MC raps. And if you're tired, then go take a nap. Are you old enough to know that EPMD? I mean, I know the lyrics. I don't know that I knew the artist. But... Okay, okay, okay. Long as you, long as you knew that. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, I had one of our listeners say, "Yeah, I heard that Ashley didn't know songs <laughs> in the Life by Stevie Wonder." <laughs> I said she does now. <laughs> but y'all, that intro was because the story today um, will be coming from none other than the matchless, the remarkable, the brilliant, the the environmentally conscious, the melanated, the former chief resident. Mm. I have so many positive things I can say about this woman. <laughs> but y'all know her as Dr. McMullen. I know her as Ashley, but today she will be telling you a story from oh, no. the Ashley archives. Get it up. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, these intros are unmatched. Like from the lyrics, a little freestyle on the end. I mean, like I, mean, I just and that was off the dome. I got to keep it spicy, you know? Yeah, no, I, I recognize that. I would like to know what is the what on this fine day. The what for this episode is presents. Presents. Mm-hmm. Presents like Christmas presents? No, no, sorry. Uh, good, good. To- Annika presents. <laughs> no, presents no, like with the C. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, thank you for for that uh, moment <laughs> of clarification. Just you know, fresh off that topic, I do love this time of year. Just you know, just getting to kind of wind things down and and look forward to spending time with my folks. But the thing I also recognize, you know, particularly working at the VA, is that this is a really hard time of year for a lot of people. And we also had a, a couple of remembrance events for some um, folks on our UCSF family that we've lost over the years. And, you know, it just reminded me of the the importance of, of being present and particularly, you know, in, in moments that are, are deeply humanistic and mm. what that can mean. So for this reflection, we're going to go back to seven years, this exact time, I, you know, I've told stories previously about, you know, this, this month, which I call my dark night of the soul, mm, <laughs> which mm. it was my last rotation of 2015. It was my intern year. Um, so coming up on right in the midway point. And I remember, I call it dark because it was just like, I just remember it being so dark, like literally getting up in the dark, coming home in the dark, the days mm-hmm. were shorter, the temperature was, was colder. And I was at our university hospital, which at the time, you know, is one of our hardest rotations because it's a major referral center. We get a lot of sick people being transferred from other places around um, the Bay Area, Northern California. Of course, you know, anytime you're in the thick of, you know, flu season, respiratory viruses, even pre-COVID, this was a really busy time to be in the hospital. I remember my last day on mm-hmm. this rotation. Again, this was after a six-week stint. And I it come through a lot of ups and downs uh, throughout that rotation, but I felt like I was kind of ending a little bit more on a positive note. You know, I'd started off that rotation feeling a lot of imposter syndrome, just lacking confidence in a lot of areas. And by the end, I felt like I was getting my, my groove, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I was also very drained. It was a very heavy month, just mo- both emotionally and physically. And so my last day of the rotation, it was what we call our, our holiday block. So we kind of give half the residents time off for Christmas and the other half time off for New Year's. And so I had worked through Christmas. I was going to get New Year's off. And because of the reduction in staffing, it was just me and the resident. We were one-to-one. Mm-hmm. This last evening, we also happened to be the team that was on call. Mm-hmm. 
And so that night, you know, it was like, we're wrapping up the call day. It seemed like we kind of got out of it without too many admissions. But of course, you know, you get that page right before you're supposed to kind of turn the, the admissions page over that someone was coming into the emergency room in a cardiac arrest. You know, this was like right around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I went down to the emergency room with my senior resident, and it was immediately clear that this person was probably not going to survive this. They did get ROSC after prolonged CPR, and the patient was getting transferred to the ICU, but essentially it was going to be a conversation with the family that- you Can know, I pa- make one pause real quick? Mm-hmm. Can you, because we have a lot of listeners that aren't in medicine, can you say what ROSC is? Ah, yes, of course. So, um, geez, do I even know what it, what it stands for? Um, return of spontaneous circulation. There I we think, go. I think yeah. if we're wrong, I mean, but <laughs> something like you got a pulse back. Exactly. Yeah. So after prolonged CPR, eventually um, you're able to, to regain a pulse, meaning that the heart starts beating again. But, you know, depending on how long the brain went without blood flow, you know, even when you get the pulse back, it's not always clear that the patient's going to be able to um, survive afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the case for this patient. They had had a, an arrest outside of the hospital. So, you know, it had been a pretty long, um, a pretty long code. You know, I remember being in the emergency room and I just like, I remember just not being able to fully like be present. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like writing the note, but I, I feel like I have like nothing left in me. I have no emotions left to give. Without even really having the frank conversation with my senior resident, I think he understood that. And um, this is something I will forever appreciate about this individual. You know, we went into the family meeting right after, you know, this person um, came up to the ICU. And to be honest, like, I can't even really recall what was said. I was just sitting there kind of like, just like fried. Um, and my senior resident stepped in because typically I would have led that conversation and just took over the whole thing. And after the meeting kind of gave me permission to, to take care of myself. Mm. And so what I did, I, I'm not even sure like what, <laughs> what led me. It just felt natural. I just went back to um, the rooms of some of my patients that I had been caring for throughout that rotation. And there were two in particular that I spent time in. There was one patient who was actively dying. He had already been transitioned to inpatient uh, hospice. So we, you know, as the medical service, you know, we're present writing orders, but not necessarily like, you know, actively managing this patient. But I had been there when they had first got admitted and, you know, throughout the, the, the discussions with this person's partner and through the, the transition to hospice. And I just went in the room and it was just the partner who was there alone with their dying spouse. And he actually was standing over this desk and he had these little gifts that he had made. And he was just like, oh, Dr. McMullen, I have this for you. You were my favorite of the team. And we sat together with their spouse and someone who is actually dying from uh, a throat cancer. Mm. And, you know, I only met him as he was in the hospital and kind of nearing the end of life. And what we did was the the spouse actually began showing me YouTube videos of this person before they got sick mm-hmm. or actually um, 
a performer. <laughs> mm. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to recognize that people have entire lives outside of what we see and the narratives that we get kind of when they're in a bed in a hospital gown. And so it was this beautiful moment that we shared together, just kind of remembering and appreciating this very talented individual whom I would have never guessed or understood kind of who who he was before he ended up on our service and before he was actively transitioning. And so that was a really special moment, just being present there. And then that same night, I went to another patient's room. This was someone that I had, who I had um, taken over care from day one of this rotation. And this was someone who'd been in the hospital for months. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was that much older than me. You know, he was so, so sick. I remember the sign out that I got from the intern who was on the team before me was, it was like, a page long email. Mm. And at the end, her signature was Godspeed. <laughs> mm. It was so much going on. This individual had, for a number of reasons, developed a severe inflammatory condition of his um, uh, GI tract. Mm. And so for most of the hospital stay, had not been able to eat anything, mm. um, had only been able to get nutrition through an IV. Mm. And for the six weeks that I was there, all this individual wanted was a burrito. Oh, wow. <laughs> that night, he was stable enough to get a burrito. So went across the street to Carmelina's, <laughs> got him this thick bean and cheese burrito. Yes, yes. And sat in the room. It was me, this patient, the patient's father, who, you know, had been actually looking for this individual for a long time. Um, they had been estranged and hadn't spoken mm. in a while. And then, mm. and so we sat together while he ate. And then I also asked, just based on inspo from the previous encounter, everybody's on social media now. So I was like, can you, do you have any pictures or a profile that I can see of what, what, what life was looking like before you got in the hospital? And again, mm -hmm. I was just kind of flabbergasted at, you know, who, who was on the profile pic versus, you know, the, the individual that I've been seeing for the last couple of weeks. And, wow. and I just, a couple things about this night, of course, I think just reiterating how amazing my senior resident was without me needing to ask permission, preemptively recognize where I was at and gave me the opportunity to be present with patients. And that for me was such an important way to heal from all the trauma of the last six weeks of that residency or that rotation, I mean. And such a poignant reminder, particularly around the holidays, of just the power of of presence you know there's mm -hmm. so much stuff especially now in the media and social media all this junk that can really like cloud your spirit and just even in that situation you know for being a partner in the hospital like watching your spouse die it became this moment of just pure love and humanity and laughter and life in a dark place mm. and I'm really grateful I got to have that experience. It, it like has stayed with me, obviously. Mm. That is so beautiful. And it's such a beautiful message for people that are feeling burnt out, which is what you were feeling. Um, mm -hmm. Because you that described. was the other title I was thinking about or the other what for the episode. <laughs> thought people would turn it off. Yeah, I know, right? They're like, not again. <laughs> no. But, um, but no, but like that whole 
feeling dehumanized and like disconnected and like like you're out of your own body mm-hmm. that's definitely one of the biggest markers of feeling feeling you know burnt out and one of the things you laid out so beautifully in in this is one of the main panaceas against burnout um and we know that obviously there are like system things that need to be in place to help mitigate burnout but you know the action is not in the electronic medical record it's at the bedside where the Mm -hmm. human beings are and sometimes we just need to take a minute to go and sit with a patient without an agenda yeah that that is something that i learned in residency from someone who said you know when you're having a rough day go 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 be just go be with a patient um, without an agenda not because you need a piece of information not because you need to draw blood just to go and just post up and chill with them for even if it's for like five or 10 minutes, you'll get something from it. And that's such a perfect example of that. And and then this other piece too, that what you got let in on is what we talked about on another episode, which is love's myopic view, right? Mm -hmm. Which is um, we see the sick patient, but the patient when they look in the mirror and their loved ones, they see the person who was not sick. Yeah. Right. And so this act of you getting to look at these videos um, or social media or YouTube videos, it is a little glimpse into the person that is really in there. Mm -hmm. It might make you fight a little harder for them. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. No, I think that it's kind of fed into various other um, encounters I've had with patients to get a story, even a photo, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that captures, you know, who, who a person was. I think it can be healing on both sides mm-hmm. um, for folks to feel seen. Yeah. And, you know, when people start to get really sick, especially from things like a head and neck cancer and things like that, you know, we just start to think about, okay, how can we get this person to hospice or how can we, I mean, like all these checkbox things, mm-hmm. but it's still a human being there and there's still a whole world of things that they experienced before they got before you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really um, a testament to you that somebody let you into that space. I always feel like it's a privilege when somebody lets me into that little space with them because they don't have to. Yeah, that's a really important point that, you know, we should not assume um, the right of entry in those mm-hmm. spaces, yeah. but it does I don't know, it just builds so much more humanity into the work that we do. And like you said, it can be really dehumanizing, particularly for our trainees at this time of year where you're really just sometimes just trying to put your head down and get through, get through the work day. It has me thinking about one day I was working through the holidays and um, there was a patient that I saw who, an, a Grady elder, and she was in the hospital at Christmas and was kind of frustrated about it, but uh, was saying that normally she is like, you know, blasting her Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I can play you some Nat King Cole. <laughs> and um, she's like, you don't know nothing about Nat King Cole. I was like, yes, I do. I mean, <laughs> of course I do. So I start playing her Nat King Cole singing O Tannenbaum. And she was just like, man, he used to be blowing. And that, how do you know? How do you know this? And so I told her that my dad used Nat King Cole um, to help us know all of the Christmas carols. Mm. And specifically for the like third grade, like Christmas pageant, we had to sing 
caroling, caroling, now we go, that song. And I couldn't quite understand the tempo. And he was like, Nat King Cole will show you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> me and this elderly woman are sitting at the bedside and we are like singing, <laughs> caroling, caroling, now we go, Christmas bells are ringing. I couldn't figure out the ringing part, <laughs> but it was just so good. And it was just a moment, you know, and it mm. kind of, took away some of her loneliness, took away some of my loneliness, and it closed the gap between mm. this, you know, these two people that were apart in generations. But, you know, there's always some place where we will intersect. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is a good point of encouragement for anybody who might be listening to this and is, you know, going to be working over the holidays that, mm -hmm you know, find some moments to close the gap and appreciate some of the beauty of, you know, these shared experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's such a privilege to get to be with people during this time. And if you mm -hmm. can see that, um, man, you know, and, and again, I never want to trivialize the system factors that lend themselves to people being burnt out. Yeah. Um, but sometimes there is some low hanging fruit that we aren't reaching out to grab and savor uh, because we're mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we're mad. Mad at the system. Yeah. How yeah. many days off did y'all get for um, the holidays when you were a resident? I think six. Okay. Yeah. We, we got three when I was a resident and it was like not enough time for you to do anything. So you would end your shift on the first day. <laughs> then you'd have a day in the middle off and then you had the other day off after that, which usually was traveling back to, from wherever you were going. So you couldn't really yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. And our residents now get like seven days. And somebody was complaining to me one day. I said, yo. <laughs> you know, not that we should ever stop pushing for a more humane medical education system, but let's also take into context, you know. Yeah. I make I, I miss no opportunity to tell people about me walking backwards through the snow barefoot. <laughs> In Cleveland, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how all my shifts were from seven p to seven a in the ER, except for the one shift on Christmas Day that was from ten a to ten p. Oh man, <laughs> that's, a, that's a true story. That was messed yeah. up. No, I, I don't have anything to count of that, so I'm gonna leave it. I'll leave it where uh, it is. Well, I am so glad that you told that story because I think it's it's perfect timing because there will be somebody listening to this that is working through times that family is normally together mm -hmm. and they might feel some type of way or they might feel disconnected from themselves. And, you know, just know that like, man, the, 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 the IV bolus of empathy is at the bedside. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, um, as, as, a, as somebody once said to me, you know, it's worse to be the person who's hospitalized mm. on Christmas. Mm -hmm. So whenever you feeling like, <laughs> like you got it bad, you just think about the person who is needing emergent surgery or who is in an ICU or who is sick on yeah. Christmas day. It, it could show enough be worse. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Yeah, well, I love that story. Thank, well, you, thank you, Dr. McMullen. Of course. Thank you for listening, for hyping me up, for yeah. always being present and being one of the best parts of my week. Yes. You know, your fan base is very, very hyped. Me being the lead of your <laughs> fan base. <laughs>
But real talk, I'm so proud of you. And I, I love that you were able to spend some time reflecting on this story. Mm. I appreciate you. Of course, appreciate you too, sis. And I love you. And I love you right back. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.